Heavenly Father, God, we thank you today. We thank you for every single woman here uh, that has made it here. Even the men, God, thank you so much for this moment to just be able to steal away and just be in your graces, God, and to be in your presence. We also pray over every single woman that is called into the Bible study, God. She's stuck at work. She's on her lunch break. She's hovering over and hiding, God, but she's just seeking your face, God, and wanting to be near to you, God, and to be blessed by your word. We also pray over every single person that is logged in to watch online, God, that they too will grab a nugget from this testimony today, God, and just come closer to you, God, and and, and get to uh, reap and feel the fruits uh, of your glory. We love you and we honor you. We pray that today you're our words, you're our thoughts, God, and that you can speak through us in everything that we say and do. We lift up your holy name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we want to go ahead and get things started. I want to invite up Miss Neva Branch. I met her recently, uh, a few months ago, and the second I met her, there was something so beautiful, so pure, and so genuine about her spirit. She was in love with God, and she had a joy and a peace to her that was indescribable to me. And then I heard her story, and it's a gut-wrenching story. It's one of those that you say, how in the world are you still here? let alone how in the world do you have this type of joy in you. So it's one of those stories that needs to be shared, and I'm grateful for her strength and being able and her courage to be able to stand up and share, but I pray that it blesses each and every one of us. So today is a different type of day. It's a special kind of day, especially with everything that we're going through. Um, I pray that God speaks through you today and uses you. Never branch. Thank you. Um. So I'm going to make a disclaimer before we get started. Um, Who has lotion in here? Because we're going to be crying. Our faces are going to get ashy. Uh, So who has the lotion? You got the Okay. Because we don't want y'all going back to work ashy face now. So um, as Jacinda said, my name is Neva. I am the founder of My Path to Peace. um, I'm an inspirational speaker, and most of my talks center on grief, recovery, healing, and life transformation. I'm not going to sit up here and give my whole bio. If you want to learn more, you can go to my website, www.mypath2peace.com, M-Y-T-A-T-H-T-O-P-E-A-C-E, mypath2peace.com. Um, like Justin just said, I, if you had known me last year or if you had saw me last year, you would not believe that I would be standing here right now um, smiling and sharing my joy and sharing my story with people. Um, where do I start? Okay. I, I, I've always known that I had a certain calling on my life. I've always known that. Even as a child growing up in the hood, um, being adopted, going through trauma, abuse, I still knew I had a purpose for my life. I, st- I knew it. Um, was I ready for the journey I had to go through <laughs> to get to my calling and my purpose? No, but I had to go through it. Everything started for me. My life transformation started when I found out I was pregnant with her, that little girl right there, Naima McMillan. When I found out I was pregnant with her, um, I already had a two-year-old. And do y'all mind if I sit down? Okay. Because we're going to get comfortable, Yeah. Um, found that I was pregnant, and I'm going to be transparent. I was not ready for another child. Um, I was going to terminate my pregnancy. I got to the clinic, got on the table. Um, they were doing the ultrasound. They were getting ready to do the procedure. 
And she told me that I was, I'm thinking I'm seven or eight weeks pregnant. She told me I was 14 weeks and five days. So I'm almost halfway through my pregnancy. I kept asking for a sign, and that was it. So I got up, walked out the clinic. As y'all can see, she's still here. Um, got up, walked out, and I remember God speaking to me, and God said, hold on. I'm going to let you know why I'm doing this. Everything is going to come full circle, and you are going to understand why this just happened. Fast forward December 2014. My son, my two-year-old son, he kept having fevers kept um, being really whiny, really fussy, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm thinking that maybe just the winter months are hard on him. Take him to the ER, take him to the doctor. Oh, he's fine. It's just a viral infection. He's fine. Okay, cool. Fast forward to January 2015. Um, My birthday weekend, I went back home to Greenville, South Carolina. That's where I'm from. Went back home. He got another fever. We got back to Charlotte. Um, fever went away. His father's birthday is January 28th, five days after mine. And that was the best day ever, y'all. We went out to eat. We went through the car wash. We just had a really, really fun day. I did not know that that was going to be the last day that my son was home. Had no clue. Next day, January 29th, um, took my son to urgent care, and they told me, he was having something called intercostal remission. So his breathing was really funny. His, um, his oxygen level was like at 70-something, and it's supposed to be 100, 99, 100. So they rushed him to the hospital in Concord, and um, they did an X-ray, and they discovered that his lung was collapsed and that he had fluid all around his lung. So my family comes up. And we're all worried and praying and crying. And the doctors came in and told us, this is normal. This is something that we see often. We normally don't see a two-year-old up running around and playing with a collapsed lung, no. But this is something that we see often. So we're going to do a surgery. He's going to be in recovery for about two weeks, and y'all are going to be fine. Okay, I hung on to that. So they transferred him up here to Levine, uptown, and he went through his procedure. And he went to ICU for about two weeks. He had a chest tube inserted because they initially thought it was pneumonia. That's why his lung was collapsed. That's what the fluid was. It was pneumonia. So they did the surgery, put the chest tube in. He had a breathing tube in. He was sedated. I saw my son on his bed, and I said, wow, he is truly a fighter, and I'm, I'm going to fight with you. We're going to come out of this. We're going to be fine. Um, he was moved up to the regular pediatric floor. And he was beginning to talk again. He was beginning to walk again. But he still had his chest tube in, and there was still fluid coming out. And they were wondering, why is fluid? Why is there so much fluid? So they wanted to do another surgery. And this time they were wanting to remove the lung because it had become necrotic, they said. It was like parts of it was dying. So did the second surgery. She went back to ICU, and I'm pregnant with my daughter during all this. We living in a hospital. My family is coming up every day. Um, it was really hard, but I still had hope. I knew my son was a fighter. I still had hope. So they do the second surgery, and they didn't have to remove his lung. It was a, a success. And so we went through ICU again, went back to the regular pediatric floor, and I'll never forget, February 19th. 
Dr. Stanford and Dr. Stallion came in the room, and me and my children's father were in the room, and they told us to sit down. And I'm like, okay. Normally when they come by and do their rounds, they say what they got to say and keep it moving. There's no need for us to sit down. So we sit down, and um, they tell us what they did during the surgery, and they say that the content that they removed that they thought was an infection or pneumonia they went and got it tested by a pathologist, and the pathologist said that um, it was cancer. It was a tumor. So I was like, okay, well, y'all got it out, so we fine, right? Um, no, your son has cancer. And I, I can't even tell you how I felt in that moment. I was really numb. I was numb. I was kind of fighting. Um, I was tired. My family was tired, and I remember looking at my son in the bed, and he was just playing, and he was in his own little world. And I said, okay, it's just another hurdle we got to climb. I'm a fighter. He's a fighter. Let's get it. What we got to do? So um, the type of cancer he had was called pleuropulmonary blastoma, very, very rare. It only affects, affects about 300 people since the 1980s, really, really rare. Um, they talked to us about chemo and, and all of that and 36 weeks of chemo and all these drugs people's going to have to be on. And, and initially I was with it, and then I said, no, if his chances of living is only 50%, I want to see him like this, how he was in that moment. He was fine. You wouldn't even know he had cancer. I'm not doing chemo. So anyway, it was a back and forth um, between us and the doctors. We gave in, went ahead and did the chemo. Um, long story short, the cancer got worse, and on March 9th, March the 8th, I'm sorry, that was his first time going outside since January. He went outside, and he kept telling us, I'm going home. I'm healed. Two years old now. Two years old. I'm healed. I'm going home. And we laughing because we're thinking that he's thinking he's really going home to our house. But my baby knew. March the 9th, he woke up. Um, he was getting a chemo treatment. His eyes were swollen shut. He was just, he wasn't doing well. And um, they rushed him down to ICU, did a CT scan. Long story short, the tumor had gotten so big that it was compressing his heart. Um, they gave us three options. Number one, we can try to do another surgery. But He's been through two surgeries already, well, three, actually, because he had to get his port put in. He's been through three surgeries. The surgeon doesn't really want to do it because he's not going to survive. Um, number two, it was radiation, which they said would probably only give him about two more weeks to live. Number three was just letting everything take its course and, um, and letting him transition. And before we could even make a the decision, they came back in the room and told us, Call your family. His heart is going to stop by the end of the night. Okay. I called my family. Kendrick called his family. Um, it was a lot of love that day. I, and, and I know y'all are listening to it now, and y'all are like, oh, my goodness. But I felt so much peace and love that day because my baby had just told me, I'm going home. He called my mom. He told her he loved her. Everybody came up. We played. He played with my little cousin, Jordan. He sat up and played with him. Um, he was just really, really happy. 
So I had no other choice but to feel that peace. Now, 4.57 a.m., he took his last breath. Uh, he was struggling to breathe, and I told him, you've done great. Go ahead and make your transition. We'll be all right. And as soon as I said that, that's when my journey began. I had no idea what I was facing in that moment. Had no idea. That's when my journey began. That's when my healing began right there. I'm still pregnant with my daughter at this time, six months pregnant with her. And the being a a bereaved parent is something that you nobody wants to be a part of that club, but when you're a part of it, it gives you a different type of strength. I can't even describe it to y'all. After a month after my son passed, it was my birth mother, it was her birthday. And I remember feeling so much hatred and anger towards so many people, including my birth mother, because I was given up for adoption at five days old. And um, But she was there with me in that moment. Um, and I remember being so angry with her and a lot of other people. And this, I don't, I don't know where it came from, but I knew in order for me to be effective in this space, what I'm doing right now, I knew it was stuff I was going to have to release. And anger, that was the first thing. I cannot operate in this space and, and speak life to y'all if I have all this stuff built inside of me. So releasing, releasing that anger that I had towards people. Let me show y'all a book. This book was a game changer for me. It's called Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart. I had to do a lot of forgiving. Once my son passed away, I was mad with the doctor. I was mad with myself. Um... I I stayed in the house for a long time. I went into a depression, and um, I started seeing a therapist. And, again, that's when I realized I had to release some stuff and bring in something new because I knew that there was a calling on my life. That goes back to what I said when I was younger. I knew that there was a calling on my life. So this was my time to do my transformation. So a couple of things that I learned in becoming a bereaved parent, number one was be gentle with yourself. I had this perception that I'm going to go through this and I'll be fine after a month. I put a time limit on it. <laughs> I put a time limit on it. I'll be fine. Um, I was really hard on myself. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to be down. You're not supposed to be sad. Um. So just being gentle with myself. And y'all remember that too because, yeah, my story sounds gut-wrenching, but y'all have been through things that are gut-wrenching too. Y'all have been in that moment where, oh, my gosh, this is the worst time of my life. And y'all, when I said that, y'all thought about something. This was the worst moment in my life, but guess what? You're here. You needed it. Most of the things that we go through, we go through them to bring out certain things. If you, okay, me, for instance, I've always wanted to be like Oprah since I was younger. I've always wanted to be like Oprah. Um, and people call me little Oprah now. That's the funny thing about it. People call me that. But I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted out of life, and I still do, and I'm very intentional about it. So you've got to be willing to go. This is where you start, and this is where you want to be. This part right here in the middle, you've got to be willing to go through that. You've got to be willing to go through that. Um, it's going to take a lot of forgiveness, forgiving people, releasing things that no longer serve you. 
Um, because what another thing that I learned in the death of my son, and it's so crazy how that was my catalyst to transformation, losing my baby. Another thing that I learned was people really do the best they can with what they have. So why be angry? Why harbor those ill feelings towards people, your mom, your parents, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your children, your boss, whoever? Why harbor those ill feelings? Because people operate on their level, and they do the best with what they have. And so keeping that in mind and doing a lot of self-reflection and checking yourself, that's going to be a game changer too. All right, and going back to forgiveness, we, I think we think forgiveness makes us weak or we're giving somebody a pass because they did something. And, and prime example, what's going on right now um, in Charlotte, in the U.S., I think people are angry, people are tired, people are frustrated. Um, in your personal life, you may feel that way about certain things. Um, but everything, it, it starts here. It starts here. And I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying that you, you have to be weak and you always have to be the understanding person. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you can change the trajectory of your life and how you view things. It's, it's in your mind. And, and that's why I'm able to sit right here now and talk about what I've been through and not shed a tear. That's why I can sit up here and be strong and be a warrior and be a mom. I, don't get me wrong now. I don't have all the answers. I'm still working through my mess, but I'm willing to do it, though. I'm willing to do it. Are you willing to work through your mess, or do you want to just stay in that one spot and be comfortable? Um, you have to know that there is growth in being uncomfortable. Last year was me being uncomfortable. Last year was my growth. And I remember um, sometime in July or August, I remember I came home, and, y'all, I was so tired of living. My daughter was about a month, two, one or two months old, and I remember coming home, and I got so drunk, and I just passed out on the floor, and that's when I called out to God, do something. <laughs> do something. I can't do this no more. I cannot do this. And if any of my players, had ever got up to God and he heard him, I knew he heard that one. I knew he heard that one because that's when everything started shifting for me. That's when everything started shifting for me. I was tired, and I still get weary sometimes, but I know my path. I know my journey. I know what I'm here to do. So you got to keep fighting. We got to keep pushing. America, where we're at now, we got to keep fighting. We got to keep pushing. In your personal life, you got to keep pushing, whatever that looks like. You have to. Um, and another thing, <laughs> um, being intentional. Being intentional on where you want to go. I knew where I wanted to go. I still know where I want to go. And so once you're intentional, yeah, <laughs> you know. You know all about being intentional, but once you become intentional and you know where you want to go, you're going to get there. Be willing and open to the journey of what's going to come. Um, be willing to release 
and bring in new. You have to bring in new. You cannot operate in your old way of thinking and in your old habits and think that you're going to get different results. It's just not possible. And so I look at myself now. I look at my life now, my way of thinking, and I can really look back and tell my mother, the doctor, anybody that I felt has wronged me or any situation that I've been in that I felt defeated, I can look back now and say thank y'all and really, really mean it, really mean it. And it goes back to this. This book, y'all, I'm telling y'all, this book was a game changer for me. I can look back and tell everybody thank you. And another thing, we have to start calling on each other. We like to keep stuff under wraps, and we want to we make our struggle look good, <laughs> you know. We want to make our struggle look good, and we want people to think we have it together. But we're going to have to learn how to, to be vulnerable and to reach out to our sisters and our brothers and let them know what's going on. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for my family, this is my aunt and my cousin right here. If it wasn't for my family, y'all, whew, no telling where I would be right now. I did a lot of the work myself. I did a lot of the the inner work. I did a lot of the inner work, but I still had an awesome support system, and we have to have that to carry us through these moments. So when you look at me and you hear my story and um, you hear my wisdom and my advice, just know it came from being broken. It came from hitting the bottom. So if you are at the bottom right now, um, I hope that something that I said gave you hope that um, you are here for a reason. And I know that's cliche. I know everybody says that. But you really are. You're, you're not just existing. You're here for a divine purpose, a divine reason. And so your struggles, everything that you went through, your testimonies, all of that, one day you're going to be able to look back on it and really be thankful for it. And once you get to that point, once you find that peace, that's the thing. I don't care about no money. I don't care about the thing. Yeah, I want to be like Oprah, um, not necessarily money-wise, but I just want her wisdom, and I want to share my wisdom with the world. And, um, and, and I'm getting there. I'm going to get there. So, again, being intentional, self-reflection, forgiveness, um, being humble, looking back and, and seeing trends in your life and seeing what got you there. All of that is a part of self-reflection and doing the inner work. You got to do it. You have to do it. And so I thank my son for um, coming through. And, and I have a beautiful understanding on that now, too. I can, I can honor him. And I'm not one of those grieving moms, and, and no offense to anybody that's in that situation, but I'm not the bereaved parent that they stuck in my grief. I'm not going to stay stuck in my grief. And I'm not saying that if you are at that point, I'm not knocking you for it because everybody cannot go through it the way that I did. They can't. Um, but you got to remember you can't stay stuck in it. I know you. we are victims in a sense, but if we're still here, we have to honor our children the best way we can. We have to honor our family the best way we can. So I'm not going to stay stuck in my grief, and I'm not going to allow – that story that happened to me make me become a victim. I'm not going to allow my childhood to make me become a victim. I'm not going to do it because I'm not a victim, and neither are y'all. Y'all are not victims. Y'all are not. We are connected with God. So naturally, it's within us. 
And so we have to start operating like this. When do we lose our power? When do we lose our power? Why are we walking around here like victims? Because we're not. We're not. And when you call on God and when you're praying and you're asking God to do something, you got to be willing to move. You got to be willing to move. And if you're not, you're just going to stay stuck right there. And that's tough love. But that's what God does for us. And it's, I'm not even going to say it's tough love. It, it really goes back to moving, being willing to move. And so I'm, I'm not sure. Where, where are we on time right now? Okay. Okay. So um, thank you again, Jacinda, for allowing me to share my story. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you all got something from it. Um, again, check out my website, www.mypastorpeace.com, if you want to stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Neva. So I wanted to still ask a question. I want to do something here. So I know some people were asking again, what is this book again? What is the title? Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart. And it's by Robin Kasargian, C-A-S-A-R-J-I-A-N. All right. So I know you guys may want to see this here. Uh, no, I saw you writing it down, so I figured some other people may need this. It is a game changer for sure. Read it. Read it. Forgiveness holds a promise, a reconciliation and serenity of empowerment and love. So what I want us all to do right now is I want you to write this down, whether it's in your phone, on a piece of paper, if you're watching, listening, write down your most traumatic event. And I don't want you to – we've been through a few. What's the most? What is that biggest one, that first one that pops in your mind? That's something that you went through. And the reason why I want you guys to think about this is because I want to ask you about this one moment. I know it takes time. Some people, maybe a few weeks, a few months, some people, years. Some people stay stuck for years. What was that moment like in your life, though, Neva, when you finally said, I have to try something different, where you started to taste what forgiveness looked like and what that process looked like? How soon was it or how, you know, long after the tragedy was it? Because I want you guys to think about yours and the question that we put on the table when you do face your traumatic event, have you forgiven this yet? Have you forgiven this yet? So what was that moment like that, that you started to say, I want to try something? And what does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? Um, I remember the exact moment. It was December of last year. December of last year. Um, it had been about nine months since I lost my son. And I remember I had gotten to a point where I was ready to do this to start speaking to people and changing lives because people were looking at my story and they were looking at my life and was like, wow, we can learn so much from you. I knew in order for me to be effective in this space, like I said earlier, I was going to have to release some of that stuff I had been harboring. So I remember exactly what I did. I wrote letters to my mother. I wrote a letter to myself. I wrote a letter to, I wrote a bunch of letters. I wrote a bunch of letters and everybody didn't get their letter. Some of them I just kind of burned and released it to the universe. Um, But once I did that, um, the next day I just felt this peace. And it was like, okay, that was it. It was that simple. It was that simple. And that, that I think is the funniest part of all of it. It's so hard. It's so suffocating. You fight it Mm -hmm. for years sometimes. But when you actually take that first initial step to do it, you're like, that was it? Yeah. This is really easy. 
easy, you know, but it is a process because sometimes you find yourself having to do more. Sometimes people can say, you know, I've forgiven the situation. Well, have you really, you know? I think you said it best when you said the way you know that you really, truly have forgiven the situation, the traumatic event in your life is when you can actually find thankfulness in it. When you actually, that's when you finally stepped into a place of freedom. When you say, not only is is this a bad thing or what, yes, something bad did happen, but I am grateful for what happened because of X, Y, and Z. So that's why I wanted you to really address that traumatic event in your life. And I ask you, have you forgiven yourself? You may say, yeah, I've forgiven yourself. But now my next question is, what gratefulness do you have from that situation? You know, and it's hard to come right out and say it because, and that's why I don't want to disrespect anyone because everyone goes through different tragedies in their life. And so sometimes to come off too soon and say, well, what are you grateful for about that? And they're like, whoa, 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 hold on. You don't know what I've been through until you walked in my shoes. You can't speak like that. But really, truly, for, for real, authentic forgiveness is when you can look back and actually see the blessing that we're in that situation. And Neva, I wanted you to share with us your gratefulness from that moment, from the moments that you've endured, and also share about your daughter and how she has blessed you and her journey. Because I know at first you can look at it and say, oh, my gosh, not only were you going through all of this and pregnant with her, but you also were pregnant with her through all of this, too. So it's just your pers- how your perspective changes. So um, in that moment when I left the clinic and, and God spoke to me and said, you're going to understand why she's here, you know, um, now – she pretty much saved my life. She saved my life. If I wasn't pregnant with her when I lost my son, I would have killed myself. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. And that might be a little too transparent, but I probably would have been out of here. I wouldn't have been able to, to live through that. I had something to live for, though. I mean, and now I, I, I have more than just her to live for. I have myself to live for, my, my gift and my purpose to live for. So I thank her because she saved my life. She saved my life, and I look at her every day, and I'm just like, wow. My life, like the the series of events and how everything was pieced together so perfectly, that let me know it was supposed to happen this way, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, my best friend as well shared the exact same story. She, when she lost her father, her daughter was really, 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 really young. And so when you go through that, you're mad. That's another level. That's another piece that you're angry about. Like, and I got this little girl here. Like, I can't do that, go through this, breathe through this, and... I got a little girl here, and she said the exact same thing that she thanks her every day because there were times that she was crying and she did not want to get up ever again, did not want to wake up ever again. She said, but the cries of her daughter is what made her get up. It was because of her that she had to get up to feed her. It was because of her that she had to get up and take care of her. And she said, so God does orchestrate everything so beautifully in your life. It does take time sometimes to learn these things, but she said, it was because of my daughter that I'm still alive too, the exact same thing. So I ask you to really look at, what you've written down as your traumatic event. And if you can say, yes, I've forgiven it. And if you could say, yes, these are, the, these are the grateful moments that have come out of that, then you've actually really, truly conquered this moment in your life. I want us to also take it one step further, especially as we have this Bible study on this Monday after the week we've had in Charlotte. And I ask us to really think about these things that we just went through and that we are continuing to go through, not even went through, but we are going through these things, and we have been for a long time. It's safe to say these are traumatic events for our time. So with us being in the midst of it, I wanted us to throw out some 
some, some ideas, some thoughts, some steps. What are some things that we can do as God's daughters to start the healing process of this, to start the forgiveness of this, to start to overshadow what was meant for hate, overshadow what was meant for darkness and for evil, and to overshadow it with love. Because at this point, this is, imagine that traumatic moment that you went through. We're at that moment. We're at that snap of the finger moment right now. So what did you do at those times, and what are some things that we can do? And I, I pose this to people on the call, too. Anyone that's listening can chime in at any moment. You are not muted. You can talk up. Any person even that's watching that has comments, we do want, you know, we welcome you into the conversation too. But what are some things that we could do, one, to bring in forgiveness, to bring in gratefulness? What could be a grateful moment that can come out of this tragedy? And two, how can we get there, you know? So I I pose this to anyone that wants to start. I know for me, um, I I consider myself an activist as well. so in the beginning of the week, like, I was numb. I was drained. I was tired. I was depressed. I had so many emotions. I literally had to delete every social media app that was on my phone just to find some type of, to ground myself. Um, but as I started uh, bringing the app back, as I started to get my mind right, and as I got that self-care, and at that point I just started to spread love. Like, really, I was just, and as we sat here, I just got a message from someone just saying, I really appreciate your inspiration this week. And I just I just spread love, even even when I didn't feel like it. I spread love. I shared every story, every touching story I saw um, after, I, I, you know, I attended Elevation. I shared the word there because that was amazing. So, and then he just, he made it, he reassured it's more of us, it's more positive than it is negative in this world. And that's what what it really comes down to, being grounded and remembering it may seem bad, but let me remind the world of how much goodness and love it is. So posting scriptures. um, Also, um, linking with others that I know that may have had ideas, that may have been wanting to get into things, but even for myself, I'll have an amazing idea, and then I'll get caught up in the world, and it'll have a a postponed. So getting active and really starting to give myself deadlines and to just really, because I know that my works, I was, I feel like I was called to do, I know I have a purpose, and I know that I was called to do things, and I'm called to touch the lives of you. So really connecting with people and, you know, making things come about, because in the heat of the, of the, while everybody's so angry, everybody's also so passionate. So while we're in the state of passion, to really communicate and organize and link with others that share the same passion, to really start putting things in work. So taken away from the negativity and focusing on the future and what we want it to look like by spreading love. Anybody else wants to share? The self-care thing, when you said self-care, we got to make sure we, um, because we can look at this stuff on the news and it's going to replay in our minds, and that's, that's trauma. And so we, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves and sometimes unplug from social media and the news and everything else, not turning a blind eye to it, but just taking care of your own business. And another thing, we cannot save the world, but you can do it right here where you are. Don't try to save the world because you're going to get overwhelmed, you're going to get drained, you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to not want to do anything. So start right where you are, give love, spread positivity, um, and and that's going to make a ripple effect. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's do that. That Those are our action steps for our Stolen Lunches Bible Study community to give love and to show love 
in a big way. Let's say 10 things a day. And let's have that whatever it is you want to say and share and do, but do it. Ten things. Imagine if all of us did ten things every single day, you know. And like you said, there's a ripple effect in hate. There's a ripple effect in love. But love outshines hate every single day. Light in a room, when you, when you have a dark room, imagine all the lights are off right now. And the second you come in with a little bitty flashlight, you have light now. So even sometimes when we say, yeah, but the world, we've chosen to change our perspective into thinking that it's so much bad. But, you know, let's put some more love in the world and let's see there really are good people there. There really are people that don't have this racist bone in their body. That There really are people who love people of all, you know, um, there are white people that love black people. There are black people that love white people. There are cops that are not racist. There are, so let's give love, you know. We understand that there are bad things happening. And we do want those to change. And I would also urge us to, um, to, to think of laws and legislation that we can strengthen and actually put in place so that we can see a real change, you know. Um, but definitely give love. Give love. All right. Any last comments? I did want to pass around the mic. At the very end of every Bible study, we have like two minutes. I always like to share and end on gratefulness because I think we are always going, all of us are going through something, you know. Where we are in that, it could be a really bad place. It could be a mediocre place, but we are going through something. And I just would love for us to end on a high note always. So just pass it around real quick. One thing that you're grateful for and pass it around. Grateful to have been able to wake up this morning. Grateful to be able to wake up. Grateful for having to have um, – I'm grateful for joining this class this morning and hearing other people reflect on life and love. You want to share? Will you share? You're love. You're love. You are love. Let's make this. I'm grateful for our family and friends. Yeah, I'm grateful for friends too, and meeting new friends, and and keeping my ears open and listening. Okay. So, oh, I'm grateful for the struggle. I'm thankful for the journey and for all it's taught me. I'm grateful for just the, having the time to be able to indulge in these Bible studies and just study period over the last year and a half. I've just been able to just delve into the Word and delve into God just blessing my life. I'm thankful for my son, Tavad, and thankful for new beginnings and new steps. You want to share what you got? <laughs> I'm uh, really grateful for stolen lunches. I mean, it, it's really hard when you step out and God, when God, when God bursts something in you and you fight with him for so long. Even today we were telling our friends, you know, we were like, we have to leave, we have a Bible study. And this, these are his exact words, Big Pat. He said, on a Monday at noon? And I said, I know, I know, on a Monday at noon, you know, and it's rainy and it's ugly and Charlotte has a heaviness on it. You know, yes, against all those odds. We're gonna, we're still gonna do this, and you know, so it does, it does get hard and it gets challenging, but um, it never fails. Every single time we have one, there's something that I personally walk away from, and, and and I look in everyone's eyes, and I feel like everyone walks away with something as well, you know. So there's a purpose behind this, and so I'm grateful for this, and grateful for the growth in it, and grateful for all the people that we will bless down the line, because I do believe that everything that you're called to do has nothing to do with you. It has to do for the with the people that you will bless down the line, you know. And just like you said. Extremely grateful for the struggle. Extremely grateful for all the bad times. 
that I've endured and that all of us have suffered for because we've learned something and grew so much during it. So really grateful today and thankful for you guys to be here. We do want to close out in prayer. Are there any prayer requests today? Yes, ma'am. I am on the verge of a life-changing decision, so I just need prayer to to help me um, take that leap of faith. Yeah, definitely. I know. I will. Um, I just have a prayer request for a specific prayer request for my daughter. Um. Um, we're working with her. She was diagnosed with autism, and just saying that she continues her growth and um, she's just able to achieve everything in life. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, my children's father was in a really bad race this past weekend, and we were in the same hospital that we lost our son in, so that was another, that opened up another door. Um, He's doing better now. He has a long recovery process, but it kind of changed the dynamic of of me and Naima's life. So just pray that um, he finds his lessons, and he um, he's able to heal and and go back to his life, and just pray that we, Naima and I, can navigate through this change the best way that we can. Well, this luncheon is not long enough to, to share with my friends. I, I have a prayer request that my daughter that's with me today will soon find what she's looking for, what God has for her, and we're working on it. And I, want to, I would like for you all to pray that she just make, have, make good choices so she can be strong to move on. And I pray, I would like a prayer for you to pray that. Just keep her in prayer. Right now she needs prayer. But whatever she's, we all need prayer. But my daughter, I pray. But I need you all to pray with me for her because she's a good girl. She got a loving heart. But things is not, God got it. I told her, God's got this. God's got this. And I need you all to lift her up in prayer with me. She's going through a little something like we all are, but um, if you all keep her in prayer with me, her name is Tiffany. She's going to be fine. Thank you. Bye-bye. No, you're good. We need it. We need to know. And I I did want to share, we do have a monthly event. It's called Coffee and Conversations. It's on a Saturday morning um, for two hours because these are very short and they're in the middle of the day and we all got to work. But Saturdays is really when we, we go in, you know, and even the two hours is not long enough. You will not believe it, but even that's not long enough. So, um, no, um, our next one is October 22nd, October 22nd at 10 a.m. And it's at Huga H-Y-G-G-E, H-Y-G-G-E, and it's at 10 a.m. And it's free. Again, it's another um, open forum like this that's, it's really intimate and beautiful, and by the time we get to 12 o'clock, no one wants to leave. So, All right, so we want to lift up all of the prayer requests, and even for anyone that has um, posted them online, we'll pray for you and also on the call. Uh, Neva, I want to know if you'd be willing to close us out in prayer. Yeah. Okay. I want to know if you would. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not.
And I also, I have a prayer request just for um, our city, for Charlotte, and what we're going through. It's heavy on all of our hearts, and I think that we need to lift that up in prayer, too, most importantly. Yes, sir. Oh. I, I just want to, well, I, I'm, I don't like to intrude on the women, but my heart just went out for all the prayer requests. Um, and I really encourage all of you to just join us on our prayer call because God just does something every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. But um, I was just, I was really just moved by what you ladies seek God for. And I, I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement before you pray. Um, be led by the Spirit. God has an anointing on your life like never before, and he has something for you. And as far as you, God, don't make no mistake. Your child is going to be a blessing in several ways that you can't even imagine. That's part of your purpose, and, and I encourage you to go back and watch that whole, this whole message today. She just ministered on exactly what your prayer request was. So just know that God don't make no mistakes, and a miracle happened to your child. I just believe that. For you, what God has for you is for you. And not a devil in hell can't stop it. Trust me, we're touching in a green. The Bible says where there are two or three in the midst, he's right there. And as your mother began to speak those words on you, I just felt the presence of God in the room. What God has for you is for you, and whatever you're going through, just know that on the other side of this, you're going to be rejoicing and be thankful that you went through it. What God has for you is for you. I just believe it. Continue to share your story. We know God to be a healer, so that other situation, that's, that's already worked out. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God that healeth you. So we speak healing over his life right now. And that, too, will be part of your testimony. Your testimony is going to continue to change lives. It's already doing it. Every, everybody that will listen, you tell them that word. Because God, again, he don't make no mistakes. And you went through that for a reason. And just know that God will allow you to go through your mess to give you a message, your test to give you a testimony. And you said, I'm not a victim. You're walking in victory. I was moved by that word today. So before you go in, for, in, in the prayer, I just, had to, I just wanted to share that with all the ladies. And 6 a.m., 6 a.m., join us tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. I'm thinking it's too. <laughs> join us. God. God, we come to you in gratitude, saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you heard our request. You know what we need. Um, you know what we're asking for. And so do your work. Do your work. Give us the strength to do work for each other. And, again, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Jacinda and her husband for providing this platform and touching so many lives, so many lives. Thank you for my voice and my gift. Thank you for the gift everybody's gift in this room. Thank you for um, your people. We we need you. You're in us right now. We can feel you. We feel your presence. Just give us the strength to continue this work and change this world because you know that we need it. So, again, I come to you in gratitude. 
love, abundance. Thank you for blessing us, and thank you for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you, thank you. Don't forget, check out the website. Any questions you may ever have, anything you need at all to get in contact with myself or even Ty, um, all the info's up there. Everything's up there about Haiti, Stolen Weekend 2017. Please share your prayer request, and uh, we love you. We love you. Have a blessed day.